Welcome to the Sport of Business podcast, powered by 321Go Project. Name one of 2015's forward thinkers by Entrepreneur Magazine. 321Go Project provides business coaching, online marketing, branding, and education for the fitness entrepreneur. For more, visit 321goproject.com. Josh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, listeners, those of you that don't know Josh Sturgeon, uh, he's, he's a jack-of-all-trades as far as the online marketing world goes. Uh, he is a co-founder of Ember Tribe, their digital marketing agency, and he also has created a 321Go Project Academy course, the uh, SEO course, the Search Engine Optimization course. So as somebody who has gone through that course it is extremely robust, uh, soup to nuts, about anything you could ever want to know uh, regarding uh, local search engine optimization for your gym. So getting all that out of the way, Josh, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Matt. Thanks for having me on. That was quite an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start. We, we hit on search engine optimization. So just beginning to build the base of that pyramid what does search engine optimization mean for the gym owner? Yeah, I mean, really simple. It's just about getting found. And what we know about people who are looking for gyms is that 80 to 90% of them are going to go to a search engine like Google and they're going to look for what's you know in their backyard. And so the gyms that are showing up first are the ones that are winning because they're able to make that handshake really, really early on and find these new people who are highly targeted looking for something very specific. So really, when we say SEO, we're talking about getting found in the search results and ranking high. What are some of those things that would determine whether my gym is ranking? And and are we basically talking Google here or is it worth having a discussion about other search engines? Yeah, so it depends if you work at Microsoft or not, right? But uh, for all intents and purposes, we're really talking about Google. These guys have, you know, the lion's share of the search market. You know, there's a reason why we say let's Google it instead of let's Bing it. Um, but uh, yeah, really, if you do what's right for Google, you're typically going to do what's right for the other search engines. Okay, so what are some things then? Like, what is Google looking for in my website to rank me on? higher up on the page. Yeah, so Google's main concern and what drives their business is giving people the best possible results. So really, Google wants to, A, trust that your website or that your business is going to be one of the best results that people could find. Uh, And two, they want to make sure that your um, content on your website is relevant. So you know, one, there's kind of the trust factor or other people linking to you or are they kind of voting for you, if you will. And then the other is just is the content relevant uh, to what people are actually looking for. So those are kind of generally those two things. So you mentioned a couple things in there, Josh, and, and something that you really hit on in your academy course on search engine optimization was uh, Google is wanting to do what's best for consumers. You mentioned things like trust and and this is sounding very human and very unrobot like uh, is that i'm assuming that that's intentional on google's part right oh yeah definitely so i mean really google's 
their plan, their plan to take over the world is to be as human as possible or to be able to almost be like you're talking to a friend, you know, hey, Google, can you go find XYZ for me on the web? And they'll be like, yeah, sure, Matt, you know, let me see what I got kind of in my back pocket of trillions of results. And so really, um, their idea is they want to be able to use and understand human language, how people are searching. And a big part of that is being able to understand your site. So when they're reading through your site, they're basically trying to find out, hey, does this match up with what somebody's searching for? And they've invested, you know, in hundreds of PhDs, thousands of them to uh, to figure that out, and they're constantly improving. So, even from when search engines were first coming into existence till now, we're just light years ahead of where they used to be. And it used to be a lot easier to game those search engines, but now it's really about having the content that addresses the issue uh, most thoroughly and in the most human and usable way. Uh, okay, so a couple things that you said in there. You mentioned um, gaming the search engine. Uh, well, no, actually, let's back up a little bit. I want to stick on this human element for a minute. Uh, you know, saying that Google is attempting to become as human as possible would, you know, one could deduce that they're evolving pretty rapidly. Like they're they're creating new brain connections, for lack of a better term. How how rapidly are these changes occurring and how frequently? Yeah, it's a constant iterative process. So I think last count was there was 600 changes to their algorithm. And the algorithm is really just what drives what gets ranked uh, in, what, in which places. So, I mean, they're just constantly rolling out new updates. They're constantly iterating on, on their results. And they're constantly looking for feedback from searchers. And then they're, they're doing stuff with that feedback. There are updates that make headlines. So, for instance, like they'll roll out something that was just called the panda update. They like to name them after animals. <laughs> and um, basically, when they roll out one of these big changes, a lot of people's sites usually get hit. Uh, and by hit, I mean buried, and their traffic drops off, and their businesses are affected. So there's these big moments that make the headlines, but really, truthfully, they're always iterating, always refining. And that's why you know website owners need to be doing the same thing. So when Google changes its algorithm, it's changing it based off of what people are searching, not what is indexed in the World Wide Web. Yeah, so, I mean, users are what drive their business. So they're, they're constantly looking at the inputs that they're receiving, you know, billions of search queries every day, and they're trying to figure out what that means for quality guidelines on websites. And so the good news is that there's really just a few kind of main principles to follow if you want to stay, stay aligned with what Google values. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, from the technical side, they're always evolving, always getting better, always iterating. So I do want to get to the main principles, but I would like to maybe unearth some myths that have existed in there. So you mentioned gaming the search engine. What are some, uh, going back, how far, what is it, 2000, so 2015, almost 2016, uh, what are we at, like 10 years of Google being in the common lexicon at this point? Yeah, at least that, right? Yeah, yeah so it's pretty well embedded in our culture now. Yep. So... It, let's just say over the last 10 years, what are some ways that we could have gamed the search engine early on? Yeah. So, I mean, there's all sort of the, there's all sorts of tricks that people liked to use back in the day and they were highly profitable, but they were short, short term, uh, tactics, right? So, I mean, really it was just about tricking the robot. That was kind of a dumb robot at the time. It was about 
stuffing your pages with keywords that you want to get found for. Or, uh, you know, this is a favorite of mine is people were, they were putting um, all sorts of junk text, like repeating the same keyword over and over again and putting it in the same font color as their background so that people couldn't see it, but search engines could do it. So by gaming, it was really just about trying to manipulate uh, the algorithm, manipulate what Google wanted to see. And, um, you know, there was a, there's a, thousand ways that people were, were doing that. But those are dying off. And frankly, the people that were that were using them and not following the central principles were seeing massive losses to their business as they were trying to game the engine and chase these little tactics. So I've, I've heard this term uh, called link farming as what I assume is one of these tactics for gaming it. What is, what is link farming? Yeah, so I'm sure it means different things to different people. Um, so what I've seen link farms as basically these networks or these uh, collections of websites that you can usually pay somebody to link to you. So links are what drive rankings. It's really one of the primary things that will get your site to rank high. So links are in high demand. And there's the right way to get them and the wrong way. The wrong way is usually using something like a link farm and paying some guy and usually some foreign country to spin up you know, 100 different blogs and uh, have them all link back to your site with the keywords that you want to rank for. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right, so gaming the system, I think we get a general idea. I mean, basically, we just divided these things into two categories. It's what do people want to read? What do humans want to read? And what do you think robots want to read? I think we could (laughs) pretty much create these two broad categories to begin to unearth what Google's Mm -hmm. looking for. Uh, but let's let's move on to main principles. So obviously, linking back to your website is a huge ranking factor. Um, obviously, paying somebody in Bangalore to do it ten thousand times is probably going to raise a red flag of non-humanness. So, <laughs> what is a very human way to go about linking back to your website? Yeah. So what I love to to reinforce whenever I'm talking to a box owner or really any of our clients is that a lot of what you do offline will have impacts on or will impact online results. So I think for the box owner, really what we're talking about here is uh, making these very real relationships with people in your city, you know, other relevant businesses that you join arms with to uh, to make a more healthy community. That could be a yoga studio. It could be a restaurant that's very paleo friendly. It could be really any anybody that you've aligned with. It could be a chamber of commerce. It could be you know the business park that holds you know that holds your box, your facility. But getting links from some of these sources are great ways to do it because usually they're very relevant to what you do. And they're also locally relevant. So they're, they're links that, you know, are kind of identified with your city and your, in your local area. Awesome. So uh, what I like to do throughout this show is, is pause when I think that we've landed on a tactic that somebody can use. That's what we're, I mean, we're always about just like some action items people can go toward. And so most box owners that I know do charitable work. I, I, I'm trying to think, I can't even think of one box owner that does not do at least one sort of fundraiser annually. And this to me feels like a way to have them link back. It seems like a win-win. Do, how would a box owner go about, so let's say we're, you're doing a fundraiser for like, uh, you know, the Wad and Wine is a big thing that a lot of people are doing and they're doing a fundraiser attached to it. So how would one go about asking one of these other community organizations to link back to your website. 
Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, it's one of those things about just making it really easy for whoever you're working with to link to you. So part of your planning, let's say with the charitable organization is to say, Hey, we really want to uh, make the most of this opportunity for you. Um, we've written up kind of like a press release or a blog post, and we've linked back to more details on our page about how people can apply. But the idea is to really just take the friction out of people linking back to you. And the truth is most people really just want to link to you. They don't know that it's going to help you in an SEO way. You can be transparent about that and say, Hey, it really helped us out too. If you could you know, link back to our post with all this information, helps us get found, uh, and then also would help, you know, bring our cause forward. So make it easy for people, offer to do like a guest post or pre-write something with the link back, back to your site, what I'd say would be the best way. Right on. So, um, again, continuing on with these like main principles of very human interaction. So what we're doing outside the gym is going to reflect upon our digital presence. Um, getting real, meaningful links back to your website uh, what are some other things that we can begin to develop a, a strong strategic framework around understanding SEO? Yeah, so really, like in the beginning, we're talking about two components. So one is trust, and then the other is is relevance of content on your site. So content is what drives a lot of, of your ranking power and what's going to get you to show up. So uh, if you think about you know what type of content should I write, again, it shouldn't be thinking about in terms of what do search engines want to read and what do people want to read. Remember, again, those two things are aligned and we have to pursue them as, as if they're aligned. So what are the questions that people have uh, about CrossFit or about working out or about whatever your topics are that you're wanting to rank for? Well, we can figure out what people are searching for by doing something called keyword research. And keyword research is a really nice asset that we have as marketers, and it's Google telling us what people are searching for. So by doing keyword research, we go in and we figure out, you know, uh, what are the most popular search terms and what are, the, what are the topics in general that people are looking for, even in your city. And now we can back into what types of blog posts or articles we want to create to get found for what people are looking for. And just, and I only know because I've done keyword research through your academy course, uh, when you begin to look to, let's just say fitness, for example, and look for like fitness-related um, keywords that people are searching for, you're given a volume of, of the amount of times people search for, let's say, fat loss, for example. Mm-hmm. What, what do we do with that information on the volume that people are searching for that? Or is that even important? Yeah, I think the keyword volume, it's not really a scientific type of thing. Google's really just trying to give you some directional signals and say, hey, Matt, you know what? If you're, if you're going to try to invest in either this keyword or that keyword, you should probably go with the fat loss one because, you know, there's generally more searches for it. So it's really, it's less about forecasting how many exact visits we're going to get from targeting this keyword. And it's just more about comparing the terms to each other and saying, oh, wow, for some reason, people are really, really hot on looking for X versus Y. Okay, interesting. So I think this is a really good segue into talking about search terms and like what are these things that we as the gym owners are trying to rank for so let's just take for example so i'm, I'm sitting in kansas city right now mm-hmm. so crossfit in kansas city missouri okay that's a search term is that the only thing that i want to be ranking for or do i need to start thinking outside of those those terms 
Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought this up because the thing I hear most from box owners is uh, when, when you mention SEO, the first thing everybody does is they go to Google and they search whatever, whatever they think that they should be ranking for. And usually for box owners, that's CrossFit and then their city. But the truth is, is you're really, if you're ranking well for that one term, CrossFit Kansas City, you're missing out on honestly 90% of the people who could actually be a really good fit for your gym. And that's just because there's a lot of people who um, would be perfect fits, perfect members at your gym, but they don't know what CrossFit is and they don't even have the language yet. They don't possess that language to even search for it in Google. So there's no question that if you're not ranking number one for CrossFit in your city that you're missing out because there's a small percentage of people that are looking for that. And if you're not getting in front of them, then you're missing out and your competitors are getting those folks. But there's an entire other group of people who um, are looking for other things like how to get in shape, uh, how to stay fit, or something symptomatic, right? Like how do I lose weight? And uh, I don't see many gym owners optimizing or trying to get found for those things. And it's a huge missed opportunity. So I I had a... um you know, kind of using this as a framework for understanding where we see the industry trending, you know, we would say probably in 2016, let's just, we can talk very specifically about CrossFit. The people that have pre-qualified themselves to become CrossFit athletes or, you know, members of a CrossFit gym, they've already found you. So a good way to think about that in my mind as a business owner is, Hey, if somebody's searching for CrossFit in Kansas City, they already know about all the gyms. They're probably just looking for the address or probably just looking for the phone number at this point. Mm-hmm. That we're almost looking to uh, identify who these outer sphere of fitness influences, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, even if you think about it in terms of the classic marketing or sales funnel, it's if people are looking for CrossFit, uh, they're really bottom funnel. They're ready to make a decision. They've done their research. But we know that that's just a small percentage of people. And there's the mid funnel, there's the top of funnel, and those are the really broad types of searches where people haven't identified what they want. Um, and you need to educate them, and that's where content comes in. Mm-hmm. So. Okay, so great. That's, let's stop there. So we're going to talk about content gearing towards, let's just take, like you are saying, symptoms of what people are searching for. So let's just say getting in shape. What are a couple little tactics that we can use to begin to rank for getting in shape in Kansas City? Yeah. So what I love is the fact that everybody's uh, local area is different. And so that means that everybody's approach to this is going to be a little bit different and unique. And so what I love to do is look at what's unique about my city and what gaps are there in my city that I can fill. So maybe it's making a curated list of like the best 25 places to take a walk with your dog or the best places that you could go for a run or, or even mapping out the best running routes in your city. You know, again, meeting people where they're at, they think that they want to go jogging and that they need to go running to get into shape and they don't know that CrossFit is a, is a better option for them, but that's fine. Meet them where they're at, create something hyper local, really relevant to your area and unique to your area and then put it out there. So I'd say the the actual, the recipe is the same, but the ingredients are going to be different uh, for every person based on where they live. So from what you just said, I think that there is no reason why every gym owner in America right now could just go create one of these lists. So tying in this idea of creating content that's specific toward 
the things that the vast majority of people are searching for, meeting them where they are, and then circling back around to what you talked about, links. So right there, that's a win-win. So you're creating relevant content. You're identifying businesses that are within, you know, within a stone's throw of your vertical mm-hmm. and creating this list. And then they're featured in that list. They're probably more likely to link back to you and share that list on their site. I mean, these are pretty easy wins, right? Yeah, there's this virtuous cycle that when you create something unique and when you're being really, really human and you're interacting with people in your community, you're doing cool stuff, people notice, people naturally link to you. And those are the types of things that Google is, is looking for, is that credibility and that trust that's built very organically and very naturally just by doing great stuff online yeah. and offline. Yeah, it's a great – yeah, and it's simple. I mean it's just business development and then having that be on a, on a digital platform on somebody's website – so what are some tools that, that we can begin to use? So I, we obviously mentioned the keyword research and, and the keyword planner to kind of get a broad idea of what people are searching for mm-hmm. on Google. I will link to that in the show notes. Uh, are there any other products that people can begin to use that are free resources to begin to uh, identify these areas that they want to rank higher in? Yeah, one of my favorite tools is by a company called Moz, and that's M-O-Z. I know we can we can link up to them as well, Matt. But um, you know they've been around for a while. They've really been, you know, uh, pretty true to to what Google wants to see. And you know, in an age where a lot of companies have gone up and down and try to pursue tactics, they've been very uh, very consistent. And so they have a tool called Moz Local, and that's a great starting point. There's a free option there, and what it does is it's basically a diagnosis tool. So what it does is it allows you to put in your website, your business name, and it's going to give you kind of a diagnosis of your health and how you how healthy you are in terms of a local SEO uh, from a local SEO standpoint. And what it'll do is start to uncover some of the things that um, could really move the needle for you and improve your overall visibility. So I recommend that to everybody. Uh, there's a paid version of it, but even just the free tool gives you a nice starting point to let you know where you're at. It's very powerful. Uh- one thing that it revealed for my gym in particular was, uh, I hope I get this acronym right, NAP, N-A-P, correct? Yeah, who doesn't love a NAP? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what is NAP? What does N-A-P mean? Yeah, so NAP, it just stands for name, address, and phone number. And now going back again to the spirit of what Google's looking for is they want to deliver the best possible results. So if your gym doesn't really exist at 123 Main Street, well, that's a problem if they're showing people 123 Main Street and then people go and they show up. There's, there's like a, you know, a dog walking center instead of a gym. Like People are going to be pretty upset. Stop using Google. Probably not, but let's be upset. And so NAP, N-A-P, is just about making sure that your business um, – is listed consistently across the web with a name, address, and phone number. So all the different directories across the web that could list your gym, if they're mismatched and they're inconsistent with how they're uh, listing your address, that's a warning flag to Google. And they're going to ding you for that because, and by ding, I mean they're going to lower you in the rankings for that because they're not exactly sure if that is your physical address. So NAP is very important, whether you have inconsistent listings or you don't have a nice critical mass of listings and citations, any of those things could be a potential issue. And Moz is a nice way to kind of uncover what some of those things are. And to get hyper specific on this, I so when I did um, when I went through this exercise with Moz Local, 
I realized that I had street spelled out on some of them. I had ST on others, ST period on other listings, and nothing at all. Just Jefferson right. uh, yeah, on yeah. others. And I was getting dinged for that. The cool thing about Moz is it tells you exactly what is what. Yeah. No, it's great. It really puts a finger on the things that uh, that are causing the consistencies. And then I think what's most what's most important too is understanding that there's really a few key f- what I would call feeders. So these are um, the bigger data companies where you want to make sure that you're correcting your information on those. And then all these other sites, like these random yellow page sites, they're basically aggregating their information from these big dogs. So models will help you figure out which, which one of those uh, you want to target up front. Awesome. All right. So um, wrapping up, I think it would be kind of cool if we just did this exercise that, uh, that I so do. So every time I record – so we do this podcast and like – the main point of this podcast is to provide really valuable information to gym owners because we genuinely want to help gym owners, which is a very human activity. And Josh, I'm having a conversation with you about search engine optimization. And you have a strong incentive to be an expert in this field because you're co-founder of Ember Tribe, a company that does this. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm going to do is after this episode, I'm going to type up show notes I'm going to extract all of our audio, put it up on a podcast, and then I'm going to send you an email. And it's going to say, Josh, thanks so much for being on the show. Um, If there's anything else you want me to put in post-production, let me know. I'll do that. By the way, here's a link to it. I had so much fun. Let's do it again soon. Mm -hmm. So I only do that to illustrate that this is, it's not overly complex. Like, just be super, super human and, and know that... So as 321Go Project, yes, we would love to be seen as the expert in the industry on search engine optimization for gym owners. Josh, you as Ember Tribe would like to also be the expert on these things. So we're providing information and providing mutual links back to each other as experts. Exactly, yes. So gym owners, these are things that you can do with all kinds of people around you. There's, there's restaurants around you. There's yoga studios, studios. There's all these very close verticals that you can have conversations like this. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It can be a guest blog or it could be even a tour of somebody's facility or asking for somebody else's expertise on a subject and just link back to each other. Be superhuman about it. And I will say this is almost kind of like working a muscle is the more you're looking for opportunities to create content, the more opportunities will present themselves. So suddenly you're just seeing content opportunities everywhere. You're, you're out to eat somewhere and you record something on your phone. And yeah, you know, I I find that I have to start taking notes wherever I go because these ideas pop in. So the more you do this, the more you're looking for it, uh, the more opportunities will come. And it's just going to be this seamless process of creating content once you get it going. Absolutely. Um, so Josh, Anything else that you'd like to leave us with? We've got a lot of good things. Uh, I'll link back to all the things that we talked about in our show notes, but anything else to leave with the gym owners out there on search engines? Yeah, I would say, you know, look, we're, we're about marketing. We're about growing 
growing boxes and growing businesses, right? So I never do I want to just double down and say, this is the one marketing channel that's going to work. It's the only one that you need to do, right? So I, people ask me all the time, you know, well, what about paid marketing? What about paid advertising on Facebook or on AdWords? And I say, you know what, like there's a place for that and there's a place for that in your business, but you need to balance and kind of diversify the way that you're approaching the growth to your business and which marketing channels you're choosing and never feel that like there's one magic bullet or one, one, you know, fixed way that you can grow. Josh, do you, you took my teaser for me, and I really appreciate it because I'm notoriously bad at teasers. So, Josh, <laughs> you'll be coming back on another show to talk about these things, um, marketing, advertising, paid advertising, when to pay for advertising, uh, Facebook. So these are all questions that we hear from gym owners all the time. So, Josh, thank you so much for that teaser, <laughs> and thank you for being on the show. It's a pleasure, Matt. Thanks for having me on.